0: Hello there, and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, you will be hearing from an attorney who integrates his faith into his legal practice. He has seen God work in the lives of his clients and seen them experience redemption and forgiveness. Some comments from Philip Remington Dunn are ahead. Also, Ed Norwood of Champions Unleashed has seen God's power at work in his life as he has had to overcome some unfortunate family issues resulting from the fact that 27 of his relatives died in the Jonestown Massacre. He provides insight on allowing God to help a person overcome those things that hold him or her back. And on this edition of The Intersection... Brian Noble of Peacemaker Ministries offers some perspective on how to resolve conflict and live in peace by applying biblical principles. Finally, it's Michelle Shanoeth. She is a storyteller who takes stories from the Bible and sets them in present day situations. Her latest combines the story of Solomon with a potential game changing U.S. Supreme Court decision. You'll be hearing from her ahead. This is The Intersection, of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Philip Remington Dunn is an attorney who is interested in true transformation in the lives of his clients. Through applying his faith in Christ, he has seen God work to bring redemption into their lives. He has written a book entitled Eternal Justice, How God Intervenes for the Least of Us. From a recent Meeting House conversation, this is Philip Remington Dunn.
1: I came to grips with the revolving door of the criminal justice system which almost always has something to do with addiction and so you would uh, successfully defend a client and get them out of jail or you know plea bargain something to get them released and uh, then you'd see him back in custody again in six months or less and you realize that the effort that you're making and all you're putting into that isn't really making a fundamental difference and so I was in court as a young public defender and I happened to see a man who was sitting there uh, from the local Victory Outreach Church that was starting in Ventura County his name was Pastor Bob Herrera and He sat there for three days waiting for that judge to sentence somebody to his Christian rehabilitation program, and eventually we got that judge to do that, and really maybe hundreds uh, over the years have uh, gone through that same program, and it's life-changing, and it redefined victory for me, and that is is that it wasn't just about winning their case or getting them out of jail. It was about fighting with that addiction and the evil that was corrupting their soul, and then redeeming that soul. So I'm very, very blessed to have countless friends that I've represented over the years that have made that transition. And it is through the the hope that we all have in Jesus Christ, that such redemption is possible.
0: Now, when you first really made that discovery and met Pastor Herrera, would you have considered yourself a Christian at the time, or was that something that maybe grew out of, or either grew out of your experience or grew as you, uh, you began to, to see God at work?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I was raised a Christian, and then I went to college and law school, so I think it's safe to say that I fell away a little bit. Um, but you know, when faced with, you know, kind of an ultimate challenge of, you know, how am I going to live my life, and what am I going to do with the people who were charged to me Uh, I started down this road and it uh, is only for me personally caused my faith to grow and grow so and I've had the great experience of seeing so many different souls saved in all kinds of different circumstances and so that's what the book is about predominantly is, you know, some of the most extraordinary stories of individuals and that I've known that um, were facing just uh, horrible circumstances or had, you know, done great damage to themselves and others and made a complete transformation. And then I took that work for a period of about three years into the state prison system and california and we set up a program there called the urban ministry institute which uh trained pastors inside a prison and we saw you know hundreds and you know even thousands come to jesus in prison through Mm -hmm. this program of pastors being trained inside of the state prisons in california and so you can see at the you know, the level that, um, where people are most desperate is, is a result of their own addiction to sin and w- of one kind or another is the place where God will meet the least of us. And it is incredible the transformations that I've seen and just how many men and women have successfully gotten out of that lifestyle.
0: Philip Remington Dunn here on The Intersection. You can learn more through his website. It's philip with one L, philipremingtondunn.com. Well, next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's the co-founder of Champions Unleashed, Ed Norwood. In our recent conversation, he discussed the impact of the Jonestown tragedy on his family, having had multiple members die in that event. He related that occurrence to the material in his book entitled Be a Giant Killer, Overcoming Your Everyday Goliaths, reminding readers about the need for Christians to take corrective actions in their own lives. Here now from that conversation is Ed Norwood.
2: What happened to my family in Jonestown happens in America every single day. We run from problems. We fail. We make mistakes. We stay in comfort zones. We ignore red flags. We cower in the shame of past decisions. We fear change or uh, fear of being misunderstood. We we fight bouts of depression, Our stay in unhealthy, abusive, familiar, and sometimes destructive relationships out of fear. We die prematurely taking our dreams to the grave. And so in 1978, over 900 people ultimately died as victims of their fears, of their decisions and of bad family history. Uh, fear they weren't good enough. Fear that Jim could be, the be was the best that they could do in life. Fear that they were too deep in and that he would kill them if they left. And these 900, over 900 senseless deaths teach us decades later that we should never ignore data or red flags. We should never allow uh, a passion to live in the absence of principles. We should never exist in destructive and controlling relationships that threaten our freedom of choice uh, or be despondent or afraid to speak up about injustices. We should never ignore or marginalize bad family history or decisions. And we can't move forward until we look back and so although I use biblical and personal stories of giants we face in Be a Giant Killer, it is not just a religious read. It's a, uh, a, a Christian read. It's a radical read.
0: We look sure. at red flags today. What do you find are maybe some of the common red flags, especially that believers in Christ, encounter and that perhaps ignore all too often?
2: You know, as I begin to write Be a Giant Killer, uh, I uh, I really begin to just write it with the shame that was tied to Jonestown in mind, because for years uh, I didn't share much about Jonestown, or it would be a small portion. And even though I've done quite a bit of media, because we do a Jonestown memorial service every year, you know, when I spoke in the marketplace, you know, the other 364 days of the year, I didn't necessarily speak about Jonestown. Um, even in the church, Jonestown has caused so many churches to avoid talking about what happened because the front page story was that it happened in the church with a so-called pastor. Um, Many who endorsed Jones in their pulpits were embarrassed that it happened on their watch, and others just disassociated themselves from anyone connected to the people's temple and refused to talk about it because of shame or denial. And so when I think of red flags today, uh, there there are quite a few, but I'm going to just focus on Um, shame and denial if that's okay because Mm -hmm. I've learned that people will shame you for your story but we don't have to drink at the same well as our ancestors or our predecessors we can in our generation break cycles and crush giants in our generation and lifetime we can tell the stories that have shamed us that have shamed our family that have shamed the church. I was recently watching uh, Judge Mathis and heard a, a woman dismiss her adult daughter of 60 years who had summed up the courage to finally ask who her estranged father she had never met was. And the woman simply told her daughter this, God is your father. And to our detriment, Bob, we have an older generation that has slept with their cape on, that has become paralyzed by shame and silent in sharing stories of past trauma. And if not careful, we will perpetuate or repeat those cycles of how to respond to people in our lifetime. I believe we exist to show our scars, our bumps and bruises of what we've learned. So the next generation will not repeat them. And um, I've learned that shame will always try to mar the image of God that we were created in. It will attack our, our being and our self-worth uh, or create a performance mentality uh, wh- that says we can never rest and convinces us to isolate in silence. But God created us for human community and fellowship. Ed Norwood
0: from a recent Meeting House Conversation here on The Intersection Podcast. You can learn more at ednorwood.com. This is The Intersection, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection podcast and The Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the podcast, to The Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. You can also find links to video content. Plus, there are two blogs accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app. At a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast. Moving on now with this edition of The Intersection, it's the Executive Director of Peacemaker Ministries. His name is Brian Noble. When he spoke with me recently, we discussed the concept of making peace from a biblical perspective, and he highlighted concepts included in the book called Daily Wisdom for Peacemaking. Here now from that conversation is Brian Noble.
3: Peacemakers has been around for about 30 years. Uh, We've been in 100 different countries. We've taken biblical peacemaking all around the world, and our goal is to equip and assist Christians and their churches to respond to conflict biblically. And so we were founded by Ken Sandy. I'm the third CEO, and uh, in 2017, I I became the CEO of Peacemaker Ministries. But well before that, I was involved in Peacemakers simply because I had split a church, and I was lead pastor at a church and caused a church split, and I was like, God, there's got to be a better way. And so I started researching it. This would have been early on when the internet was coming out, and I don't know if you remember H.B. London, Pastor Mm -hmm. to Pastor, but he sent out a tape, a cassette tape, and... Ken Sandy was on that cassette tape, and I had listened to it, and um, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta get to know this ministry. And so I had, I had done a little search on the internet. Of course, it wasn't much back in those days, um, just kind of a web page. And so ended up connecting with the ministry um, some 15, 20 years ago, and and then um, uh, just really walking through like how to be a good leader that um, you know is able to own his own stuff, take the log out of his own eye, and 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 gently restore as we go. So you actually, and you owned up to it. So what was the, what was the the main thing there? (laughs) Well, it was my poor leadership. I think it's funny, you know, pastors want to be responsible for church success, right? Like if something grows, they, you know, we, we tongue in cheek say, oh, it was Jesus, but it was really us, you know, and and I'm I'm being a little facetious there, but (laughs) we, but when we split a church, it's always someone else's fault or the devil's fault or whatever, And, you know, the the reality is I, you know, I was the head of that, of that ministry. And, um, the reality is through my poor leadership, the church ended up splitting. Um, you know, I like to think I did some things correct. Um, but at the same time it did, it did split. And so, um, I had to find a better way in order to, to move things forward. And so, yeah, so it was just poor leadership and, and, uh, there's a lot of details that would take an hour to go into all the details, but, um, you know, but simply didn't, I didn't lead well.
0: And in this book, you actually highlight four steps with respect to overcoming conflict. So take us through, if you would, walk us through these, these steps in, in reconciliation and making peace with one another.
3: Sure. So when we look at these
0: uh, these steps, the first is discover your
3: perspective or your story. Where are you? You know, what are your motives? What are your heart's desires? What is the idolatry that's maybe playing out in your heart and your mind? Where, you know, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? You know, where where are you when you think about the story? And I love that part of it because the Bible says to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So we're listening to each other's perspectives. We're thinking through what our motives are, what's driving the conflict. The second thing is is that we want to set our eyes on the things above, not on the things on this earth. We want to ascend. We want to go back to our biblical core values where we allow our biblical core values, God's character, God's presence, our identity in Christ to really define us and move us forward forward. Versus the being right or being, you know, uh, um, being right or just simply wanting to be recognized in those kind of things. And so that would be going back to our core values. And then third, we take responsibility for our actions. We we reflect and we say, what is the log in my eye? How have I sinned against the other person? What do I need to apologize or confess to God and to others about to reconcile this relationship? And lastly, we make a plan and we implement that plan, make and implement a plan, so we connect. And so those steps of what we call the path are interwined throughout the daily devotionals in that it's constantly coming up in our, our, our concept of God's, uh, God, is the, His presence is with us, His character is there, what's our uh, our ability to take responsibility for the, uh, the conflict or the, our contribution to the conflict,
0: and then what's the plan moving forward? Brian Noble here on The Intersection. The ministry website is peacemakerministries.org. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Michelle Shinoeth. She has set novels involving biblical characters in modern-day settings. In our conversation, she talked about her latest book entitled The Wise Man, which inserts the character based on Solomon into a position on the U.S. Supreme Court, deciding a case involving abortion. Here now from that conversation is Michelle Chenoweth.
4: I met a gentleman over in Australia. We were visiting my stepdaughter, who was an au pair at the time over in Australia. Very um, wealthy family, very very well-to-do, and this was like the heir apparent um, of the family business. Wonderful guy, uh, seemed to have it all good looks, wealth, uh, and yet they didn't believe in God and they questioned God and they kind of were falling away from God, I want to say, and didn't seem entirely happy. So I, uh, that sparked me to develop a character that was was going to be based on Solomon. And that developed into, uh, so it's, kind of a sequel to The Peacemaker, which is uh, based on David and Abigail. My friend suggested Abigail. I was going through my divorce, and I felt a lot like Abigail at the time. So uh, so that became that second novel. And because Solomon's David's son, this is somewhat of a sequel. I have a, a list of characters in the beginning where it's the Bible characters and then the fictional characters to correspond. Anyway, moving forward, I... You know, I developed started developing this character, and a friend of mine suggested um, for the part, which is the most famous part of Solomon's story, the two women fighting over the baby, that I possibly look at a case where two women fight over uh, a baby born live out of a failed late-term abortion. And this was a couple years ago, before you know the whole uh, issue hit the news, really. And I started developing that as part of my story. And I had uh, my Solomon character, Finn Mitchell, become a U.S. Supreme Court justice who is sitting on the fence on the swing vote of an equally divided Supreme Court. And he has to like face this tough issue. And it's in a time set modern day where the overturn has actually already happened. And this is going beyond that to completely reverse it. I won't no spoiler <laughs> alerts, I won't tell you how it ends, but uh but I actually also went on a march for life in twenty twenty and that uh solidified this you know, the storyline that that I really, you know, felt like this uh needed to be this story needed to be told.
0: What did you want to s- Communicate or what did you want to say to readers about this issue that of course we've we've seen play out over the last few months?
4: Well, I wanted to first of all have my main character, Finn Mitchell, debate both sides because there's you know, a lot of women out there hurting, uh both that have gone through those procedures, um that have regretted those procedures that um, aren't sure what to do. And so I, I, I have them actually debate the whole issue. Uh, the uh, mom who seeks to get an abortion has to go from Alabama where it's already illegal. Um, I guess I had some foreshadowing there uh, into Florida and, uh, and seeks a, kind of underground kind of doctor because you know she's she's getting past uh she's late term and uh so that i guess i had a you know somewhat of a forward thinking foreshadowing um it did it came out after the leak actually uh the leak was Hmm. in early may my book came out may 17th i think the leak was may 3rd may 17th uh so i was like oh my gosh you know this is really um in the news um ahead of you know my book coming out and then it just stayed in the news you know and and uh, and then came out came to fruition so anyway she uh, regrets her decision um, and later fights for custody the the other woman is, works in the abortion clinic and uh, saves the baby they want to dispose of it and um, And she saves it, gets it into a hospital across the street. Uh, They nurse it back to health, and she adopts the baby. And those two, you know, the birth mother comes back, and they fight through the courts. It goes up through the appeals and lands in the Supreme Court.
0: Michelle Chenoweth here on The Intersection. You can find her online at Michelle Chenoweth, that's C-H-Y-N-O-W-E-T-H, Michelle com. Her author coaching site is yourbookdoneright.com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or the programming section at faithradio.org. At that Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests from The Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House radio program. Also, you can find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. You can also find links to video content, plus there are two blogs that are accessible. One is The Three with Three Stories of Relevance to the Christian Community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.